Praise the Lord. I have a message this morning that I believe the Lord has given me. I hope I never come to this pulpit without believing that. This morning I feel a particular confidence that this message is for every mother and father, every son and daughter, every husband and wife, every brother and sister, every Christian and sinner. This message for every person here. And as I progress to this message, I believe you'll understand why I say that. Perhaps everything that's preached is that way. Perhaps it all should be. This morning I feel a particular confidence that confidence that it is so in light of what I felt the Lord revealing to me as I progressed through the preparation of this message. And so I want you to turn with me in your Bible this morning, and how many of you have brought your Bibles? All right. I don't ask you every Sunday now. I've got to start asking every Sunday again. That's okay. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Most of you already know what that chapter is. I'm going to elaborate with explanation on it today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in the very last verse. Verse 13, chapter 13, verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. Lasting. Abiding means lasting. Enduring. Faith, hope, and love will endure forever. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring a great anointing as your word is preached this morning. May your servant be your spokesperson and declare that which you want your people to hear, which will bring edification, illumination, instruction and direction, and blessing from your hand upon every person here. May every heart be tuned to hear as every mind listens. And we pray, Lord, that this word of God will find fertile ground. And as this seed is planted, it will bring forth fruit for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we say it, and in Jesus' name we believe it. Amen. Amen. So there are three great things, greater than all other things, the Apostle Paul declares. Remember that Paul was given the revelation of the gospel. Jesus came, taught, his disciples went about in the earlier days, going by what he said, word, explaining word, and orally interpreting it all. We needed a revelation of the plan of God. And the Apostle Paul, mostly, some from other apostles and writers, but particularly through the Apostle Paul, this revelation of the gospel was given. And so we take his direction and instruction as inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we look at his word spoken today or written for us and realize that, that this is a great, powerful message. Three great things Paul said will last, will endure. After all other things, after tongues have passed away, 
after knowledge has ceased, after teaching has closed, when all other things have been terminated because of time and the changing economy of God's plan, three things remain, faith, hope, and love. We know the value. We certainly know the value of faith. How great is faith? Greater than anything I can express. I cannot declare to you the fullness of the greatness of faith in God. Jesus said faith is so important that if we had it as a grain of mustard seed, tiny little seed, we could speak miraculous things that would be done. He's emphasizing to us the power of faith. He's not saying talk about size and and greatness of smallness and greatness. He's emphasizing to us the power of faith. Faith, unlimited power. Because God's power is unlimited. When you put your faith in Him, you can exercise unlimited power by believing Him. Wow. A great, great truth for us to know. And the Bible is full of it. Jesus taught us that believing Him is the way to victory through miraculous circumstances and events. Whatever it takes, faith will bring that about. And it is so important that the writer to the Hebrews said, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, chapter 11, verse 1. He goes on to say that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen, so that natural material things which are seen were not were made were not made of things which do appear. The natural things that were seen were not made from other things that appear. They were made from supernatural things out of the creative hand of God. So we can look and describe the universe and find that it's indescribable. We can't even fully fathom the very galaxies that we're in, much less what science has now discovered, and I believe discovered in the wisdom of God, that there is a continuum and space has no end because God is endless and God is eternal and God is forever. And so is the space that he created. Faith. Faith tells me that's true. Not just science. More than that, faith tells me that that's true. That God created the heavens and the earth. And that he is the creator of man. Of all mankind. It is so great. Faith is so great. That the writer of the Hebrew said, it's also true. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. But you'll find all of this in the 11th chapter. And, 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 and that 11th chapter in verse 6 is really powerful when you come to grasp it. It is impossible to please God without faith. So who that comes to God, the person that comes to God, must believe that he is, that he exists, that he's real, that he's God, must come to God believing that he is, and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. That's what the scripture says. So faith, how powerful is faith? Beyond anyone's ability to fully express it. Now, I've heard many try, and many have done well. I've tried over the years, and I've done fairly well. I have never yet fully described the total power of faith. And, and then he said, not only faith, but also enduring is hope. Wow. Another thing that will last on and on and on. Because he says that other things will cease. 
Other things will come to a close. Those things that we are enraptured by sometimes, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, seeing a miracle, seeing great things revealed by God, those things will come to an end. I didn't make that up. That's also in the same chapter. But when that happens, the reality remains. Faith endures and hope endures. Hope is that confident assurance of our salvation. We use the word hope. Billy explained this in a recent message, and I don't intend to recapitulate all of that because he did a great job presenting this truth to you. I'm just putting it in here because I'm talking about these three great things. But this confident assurance of our salvation is not just, it's not a guess. I hope I get to go home today without an accident. That's not the hope we're talking about. The hope that we're talking about is assurance, is confidence. How, is we, how do we have that hope? What is, where is it based? It's based in the reality of the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth and in his resurrection from the dead. We know the reality of the crucifixion and the resurrection, so we know the reality of heaven. We know the reality of our salvation. We know the reality of our eternity. That's our hope. Our hope is assurance that this is all true because we put our faith in God and His plan and purpose for our salvation. This hope is strong and trusty, steadfast, a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, the Bible says, Hebrews 6, 19. By whom, and I'll read you this scripture from Romans chapter 5, verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith. By faith we have access into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So our faith gives us access. We rejoice because we have this assurance, this hope in the glory of God, based in the glory of God. Romans 5.2. And then in Colossians 1.27, Paul wrote, The riches of the glory of this mystery, this mystery of salvation. We explain it. We declare it. We elucidate on it. We try to make it as plain as possible. And yet, there's a remaining mystery in this glorious message of salvation. How could it be? It can be because God ordained it, and God made it this way. It's a mystery to the world, a mystery revealed through faith and the Spirit of God to the children of God. So by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Our assurance, we rejoice in our assurance that God will be glorified and that the wind-up of the calendar of the ages, God's name will be lifted above all others. He will be honored, He will be praised, and He will be proven to be the God of all gods, the Lord of all lords, and the King of all kings. So then, the Word says God raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. He raised him from the dead, gave him a glorious ascension to the throne of the Father. And why did he do that? So that your faith and hope might be in God. Faith and hope. But so far, nothing's been said about love except what the apostles said. In the 13th chapter, 1 Corinthians, let's read that verse again in its entirety. So now faith 
Hope and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these, greater than faith, greater than hope, as great as they are, these three remain. Three great things remain. One is greater than all the other two. Love is the greatest of all. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Greater than faith. Greater than hope. The greatest attribute of God the Father that he has shed on us and that he has made real through our lives is love. Now I'm going to tell you some things this morning that you really want to hear and a few things you really don't want to hear. You don't get to choose between them. Because they all came from the same writer. They all came from the same verses. They all came from the same chapter. And so I'm going to give the whole thing to you. This greatest quality, this greatest grace that we have, this greatest thing that can exist within us and among us, Love. We say it so casually. Love you, brother. We say it so easily. Love you. But it isn't a casual thing. And frankly, without the Spirit of God and the grace of God, it isn't an easy thing. Now, I don't want to confuse any of you romantics here. Sort of one myself. I want to confuse you. I'm not talking about boys and girls liking each other and falling for each other and thinking they're the greatest thing in the world. And then going ahead and getting married and find out they really are the greatest thing in the world. It's a, a, a love between a man and a woman is a wonderful thing. Love for others in this world is a wonderful thing. I strongly encourage it. I think it ought to be a part of every person's life to the fullest extent that you can make that possible. Sometimes I plan to say things, and then I change my mind at the last moment. <laughs> you know, uh, one way I know Carolyn loves me is because she tells me what to do. I, 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 know, I know that sounds strange, but the reason I, I realized it in the last few days, one of the reasons she tells me things I need to do, not that I don't know them, just to be sure that I do them, is because she wants what's best for me. She wants me to appear before this congregation as perfect. She wants you to think I never miss a beat. I get it all just right, right on time. And she keeps telling me, do this, do this, to make sure that I do. And I got to thinking about this week. Well, I'm sort of tired of hearing that. And then I realized, I, this is real, then I realized, you know, the reason she keeps telling me that is not because she's trying to tell me what to do. She wants me to make sure that I do what I should do, do the right thing, the best thing, and especially as your pastor. So I'm thankful for that. I want to thank her for that. Uh, I'm not somebody who's easily told what to do, but <laughs> but, but, I, but I, I, I do, I really sincerely appreciate it. So when you think about being motivated by love, what you do needs to be guided and directed by love. What you say needs to be guided 
and directed by love. You cannot walk in love and take offense and carry offense and be offended because of some little something somebody did or said or thought or acted that you interpreted and made up something out of it. You cannot walk in love and carry that without exception. There's no exception to that. When you have that kind of grievance that you allow in your life and you take offense at it, you have walked away from the path of love. Amen, Pastor. You couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> now, here's how important the Apostle Paul made it. This is how important he made it. I want you to pay attention. You've read this over and over and over. You already know it. You say, I hope you'll hurry up and get through that because I've heard all that. You heard it. Now you need to do it. This is what Paul said about it. Great spiritual gifts. Paul said, I speak with tongues more than all of you. Boy, I'm a Pentecostal preacher. A lot of you like to go around and say that. I speak with tongues. I wish you spoke with tongues as much as I did. Heard two preachers not too long ago having a discussion about this. True. One of them said to the other, how much do you pray in tongues about what percentage of your prayers in tongues? And, one, and the other pastor said, well, I don't really know. I hadn't thought about it. But I said, probably about 15%. 50%, I'd say. The other pastor said, 90%. 90%. And I know you won't believe it, but I sat there and didn't say a word. But I thought, so what? That doesn't make you any more spiritual than he is. By any means. <laughs> so, so. So this is what Paul said about it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And have not love. What is I, What am I? I'm a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. If I were to take these cymbals up here. I don't see them, but I think there's some up there. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to do it anyway. I'm just talking about it. If I picked those cymbals up and I said, bang, bang, it'd be so loud it'd hurt your ears. Bang, 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 bang. And that's what you sound like to God when you're trying to speak in tongues and prophesy outside of the gift of love. So, frankly, I don't want it. If you're not walking in love, I don't want to hear what you think God told you. Because I've got questions of whether he did or not. And even if he did, I'm not sure you won't taint it and distort it when you try to tell it. You've got to walk in love to have the message of God. And pastors who don't do that don't have the message of God. Pastors who don't do that fail to bring you the truth of God. I'm not complaining about anybody in particular. I'm just talking about all of us, including me. If we preach to you outside the love that God gives us to preach his word, and we tell you something that's not in love, I try to tell you something just simply because I want to chastise you, or I heard something about you and I want to make sure you know I know about it and tell you just how bad I think it is, I'm wrong more than you are. I've got to stand here in love, engulfed in the love of God, and preach in the love of God with the compassion of the Lord Jesus, or I have nothing to say. It's a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And not only that, if I have all prophetic powers, I'm reading out of the Bible now, 
if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, oh, if I know all about the prophecies, if I can tell you not only who the rider of the white horse is, but what's written on his right front hoof, if I can tell you exactly what's going to happen in 2035, January the 3rd, at 5.30 p.m. in the afternoon. You'll forget it by then anyway. It won't matter. You'll believe it and then forget about it. But if I could tell you, and even if I were right, do you know something? Unless I am filled with the love of God and I'm speaking in the love of God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you know, how educated in the Scriptures you are. If you fail God by not walking in love, you fail God by being able to be qualified to deliver his message. So, if I have all, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, wow, boy, that guy's a walking Bible encyclopedia. Yeah, but he speaks very cruelly to the server in the restaurant. Yeah, but he did. I heard him say something the other day to his wife that I wouldn't have said to my enemy. Just saying. <laughs> and even if I have all faith, oh, 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 now, if I have all faith, remember faith is one of those great qualities, but if I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, oh, uh, he should have stopped right there. But he went on to say, if I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, guess what I am? Nothing. Nothing. And a hush and its holiness settled over the room. <laughs> if I give all I have, into my pockets, into my bank accounts, give everything I have, and stand up and say, look what I gave. Y'all ought to give something too. If that's my motive, and I'm not moving out of love, Paul said, if I give all I have, and even if I deliver my body up to be burned, I give up myself as a sacrifice, but I don't do it in love. You say, well, Pastor, how could you do that in love? I don't know. I'm not the judge. I'm just telling you what Paul said. If I were to do that and have not love, he's emphasizing this point. He's emphasizing it powerfully. He's emphasizing it dramatically. He's emphasizing it so that it cannot be explained away. If I do all of this and have not Love, I am nothing. I gain nothing. If I do all of this and have not, and I don't do it out of love, I have made no gain. In fact, I just lost what I turned over. I don't gain anything from it because I didn't do it in love. So now, let me tell you what love is. This is what the scripture says. You follow me if you want to and change me, correct me if I miss it. This is what it says. Love is patient and kind. <laughs> that doesn't seem very powerful, does it? That's not really powerful after you try to do it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty simple, pretty easy to, easy to preach about. It. It's real easy until you try to do it. But love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Yeah. You know, envy is... What you have is what I should have. That should have been given me, not to you. Envy. Not jealousy, envy. 
And, and it doesn't boast. I was listening to a preacher on television. I had a lot of good preachers on television. A lot of good things that you can hear and see on television. No doubt. But all of it's not that way. And I would not name this preacher, because if I did, a lot of you would know his name. And I, I don't want to cast aspersions on anybody. But this is just exactly what happened. That I heard him tell himself, I was in the grocery store. And this, I saw this little woman come up in the line behind me. And I kind of steps, I let her go ahead of me. And when she did, they started ringing up her groceries. And she said, oh, oh you have to stop there. That's, that's more than I have. I can't pay for any more of that. I have to go back and, and change some, put some of this back on shelf. I, I can't. I, I thought I had the right, but I've over, overbought, so I can't pay for this. He said, so I stepped up. Mighty man of God. Preacher of the glorious message. He didn't say that. I said that. So I stepped up and I said, how much do you need, darling? And the cashier said, well, she's about $100, almost $100. He said Ah, that's nothing. This is the way he did it. So I reached down in my pocket. I can't illustrate it because I laid my money up there on the shelf so it doesn't bother my pockets down. He reached down he pulled it. He said, here's a hundred. Here's another hundred. Now he's doing all this in front of everybody. The cashier, the woman that needed the money, everybody was standing around. I'm sure he was saying it loud enough the way he told it. And everybody turned and looked and said, oh, my goodness, look at that great, wonderful, generous preacher. Wow, I want to go be a Christian too. <laughs> Here, darling, that 200 is enough for you? I got more if you need it. That's enough for you. Oh, thank you, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, sir. God sent you here. Oh, you're a servant of God. Thank you so much. Anybody else needs anything? I've got plenty. Now, now, how does that, you, you don't tell me now, tell me later, not today, some other day. But, but how does that, how does that work with this, where Paul said, love does not envy or boast. When Jesus said, what you do, do it in secret so that others won't do it, so that you're doing it for the praise of men, but doing it for the glory of God. I thought all preachers understood that. I thought all preachers understood it. I thought all Christians understood it. And I think they all did except him. Love is not arrogant or rude. Are you rude? Are, are, you, are you ever rude? Not one soul has raised a hand. Please don't either. Don't, don't, don't. But are you ever... Have you ever arrogant? You know what arrogance is? Well, I'm sorry you're where you are, but I'm glad I'm where I am. I'm, I'm a little bit above you. I wouldn't be down where you are for anything. You're waiting on my table, and and, and uh, be sure you get it right. You know, I'd like for you right now to change this spoon for me. I don't. I, I don't I'm getting ready to stir my coffee, and I'm not going to do it with this spoon. I need you to get up and bring me a spoon right back here. You ever done anything like that? If you have, stop it. Quit it. Don't treat anybody like they're any less than you are. By word or action or by anything you say or even think. 
I used to live in a community where the guards at the gate would tell me occasionally when I went through. I didn't have to because I could go through the residence side when I went through the, the gate. Just so I, Sometimes so I could stop and speak to them. One particular lady there, her mother was very ill, and occasionally I'd go through just so I could ask her how her mother was doing. She called me one day after I got home. She said, Mr. Register, I just want to thank you for coming through our gate sometime, just, just to say something nice. She said, usually the people that live here just come through here, and they're so nasty. They curse at us, and they tell us how bad we're doing and what a sorry job we're doing. She said, it's just pleasant once in a while to hear something good. I want to thank you for doing that. <laughs> and it made me feel so self-righteous. I just didn't know. That was a joke. <laughs> anyway, it's good not to be arrogant and especially not to be rude. Now, I'm not giving you lessons in etiquette this morning. I'm not telling you how to be good-mannered people. It is that. But I'm telling you how to walk in love. You can't do these things that the Scripture speaks against. It says are the antithesis to love. And walk in love as a child of God. If you're going to walk in love, you've got to have the qualities, the merits of love. And this Scripture is telling us what they are. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. And here's the kicker. I didn't save this till close to the last. Paul did. But here's the next thing it says. It says, it does not insist on its own way. I've said that when I have a marriage ceremony, and I've said it right here in this place several times, standing right here. Use that scripture from 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not insist on having its own way. I get that. I don't care where you are, what you're doing, if you're at home, you're at church, at work. Walking down the sidewalk, and somebody's coming to the sidewalk, and both of you can't pass on the same way, and you're going you're gonna to button knock one down instead of your stepping aside. Love does not insist on its own way. I don't have to have my way. There was a time I wish I had never read that a long time ago because, because I wanted to have my way. But God has shown me His way is better than mine, and His way... By the way, shh, it's better than yours too. Love doesn't insist on having its own way. This is the way I phrase it. Several people have said when I've done it in wedding ceremonies, Pastor, I hadn't heard it quite like that, but I'm glad you said that. Love doesn't insist on having its own. This is what it means. Love gives up the right to be right. <laughs> I, have a, I have two grandsons. Both wonderful young men. One's, one's 25. Wow. Hardly can I hardly believe it. And the other one is 16. Just turned 16 in May. So one of those, they might listen to this. So I won't make sure. It was one, it was one of them. <laughs> one of them used to come to Carolyn. He was going through. He was going through a little four or five-year-old boy stage, you know. And they would be talking about something. That he'd have, he always had an opinion. This one had an opinion about everything. At that time in his life. And so he would say, but it was over, and they would discuss the result. The final, he would always say to Carolyn, he said, Nanny, I was right and you were wrong, right? I was right and you were wrong. You were wrong and I was right. What, right, Nanny? Right, Nanny? I was right and you were wrong. You were. So he wanted to make sure to get it confirmed that out of that discussion, he was right and she was wrong. I can see that in a four or five-year-old. But those of you who are a little bit up beyond that, 
climbed on beyond that. You should have got far beyond that experience as well. You don't have to be right about everything. Elbow in the side. Go ahead. I'm not going to point you out. Go ahead and jab him. Love gives up the right to be right. So it may be the husband that gives up that right, maybe the wife gives up. But you know what's wonderful? When both of them give it up, <laughs> when both of them give up that right, you can get somewhere. You can get agreement. It's not just in husbands and wives, not just in families. This is true in churches, too. It's true anywhere you interrelate with other people. You don't have to be right all the time because you're not right all the time. I'm telling you, I'm not talking to me, I'm just telling you. And the only reason I'm right this morning is because I'm saying just what the Word of God says. So love gives up the right to be right. And then, and then this is what happens. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. That was my little grandson who said, Nanny, I'm right and you're wrong, right? That's not what grown people do. That's what children do. And Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I, I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. I acted like a child. Why? Because I was a child. And so now that I have become a man, what have I done? What did he do when he became a man? He says, but when I became a man or woman, when I became an adult, I put away childish things. So call up somebody today and tell them they should have been here to listen to it because they need to put away childish things. You're beyond acting like a child. You have no excuse for acting like a child. You have no excuse for talking like one or reasoning like one. You have no excuse for letting that be the development of your attitudes for life. That you're where a five-year-old, a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old should be? No. When you become an adult, when you become a Christian, and you grow in Christ, and you become that child of God He has called you to be, you put away childish things. Yes, the Bible says, except you become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I know that, so don't pull that on me. I know what that means, too. That means unless you're childlike, Simple faith, willing to accept, willing to believe, loving those who look after you and care for you. A child, there's a difference in being childlike and being childish. Don't get it confused. You can be childlike, but you have no excuse now or any other time to be childish. You know, Pastor, I'm not that way, but he is. Or she is. I got somebody in my family. Boy, if you just... Don't, I don't want to know. Don't tell me if I just do because I don't want to know. Because I know this. The way you counteract that is you live the way you're supposed to live and show the grace of God the way you're supposed to show it in your life. That's what you do. Show the love of God. Love bears all things. Wow. Love bears all things. Believes all things. Accepts by faith. 
accepts by faith, believes all things. I'm not talking about believing error and, and taking anything that comes along like a gullible fool. That's not what it means. It means believes all things, believes the things that God says, believes what faith declares, believes what the word of the Lord supports, believes what the message of God, believes the salvation message, believes all the truth of the word, stands on the truth of the word. Love believes all things that are from God, and it endures all things. I sure wish this person I'm thinking about, Pastor, I sure wish that person would act different from the way they do. And if they don't, I'm not going to be able to put up with it much longer. I wish I could tell you, well, that's scriptural. Just go ahead and throw up your hands and quit because you put up with enough of it. But then I get contradicted by what Paul said. He said, love endures all things. It endures. It doesn't quit. It doesn't give up. Love endures all things. So, one thing I want to do, I want to walk in the love of God, the love of th- that His salvation, the love that He showed to me, I want to show others. He's a good, good father. Yes, he is. He's a good God. And he wants us to be Christians. Walk in the way of the Lord. Walk in the truth of his word. Love will never lead you to the wrong thing, but it will always lead you to the right thing. Walk in love. Walk in love because that's where the victory is. Walk in love. Hallelujah. Now, today, I want those of you who have Facebook to go home and put it on Facebook that everybody who wasn't here needs to get on the website and listen to this message. Tell all of them. You don't have to single them out because I know the very ones you want to tell it to. And you already know who you want to make sure to get it. Put it on your Facebook page. Put it on the church Facebook page. Let everybody know about it. Let everybody hear it. Because there are people who are not here this morning who ought to hear what I've preached this morning. They should hear every word I've said this morning. Because there are people not here who need it. I'm not saying that there are people that everybody here doesn't need it. Don't misunderstand me. I think some of us probably need it too. Well, I won't say probably. I'm sure some of us need it too. But I know there are a lot of people who are not here who need it. And I hope that they'll be able to hear it in some way or other, in some fashion. They'll be able to hear it. Maybe we can can put this whole message on Facebook because they'll listen to it there maybe where they won't bother to go to the website. I don't know. I just want to make sure people hear this. Because I'll tell you something. Now, I'm I'm through preaching now. My time's up. I finished two minutes early. My time's up. And so I'm through preaching. Now I'm going to meddle a little. people in this church body who are offended or whatever, let's call it offense, who, who feel like this is not, well, I didn't get treated right, that wasn't said right, didn't say the right way to me, on and on and on and on and on and on, because you can find in unlimited things in that category. But listen, my friends.
to walk with God, if I'm going to walk with God, the only way I can do that successfully and victoriously is for me to walk in love. I may pray a great prayer, and it sounds wonderful, and you think, oh, the power of God's on that. Finish it up with them, speaking in tongues, a little bit of prophecy, and, oh, that's so powerful. But if I walk away from that time of prayer and I insult somebody or I put somebody else down or I act in a way towards them that is not according to Scripture and not according to love, everything I said is in vain. That's what I just preached to you at the very beginning part of this message about chapter 1 Corinthians 13, saying that very thing to you. So what we have got to do is to look at the Scripture and live our lives according to the explanation and the enlightenment of the Word of God because that will bring victory. That will bring victory. Now, now the you don't need to say, "Oh, boy," when you get in the car. Boy, he got you this morning. Or he he sure nailed you today. I didn't tell him anything. I don't. I didn't tell him anything. What he said today is not because I told him. Because you don't have the right to judge that other person. <laughs> Some of you were all primed to go tell people about it, weren't you? He talked about you. you should have been. He talked all about you today. No. I just had to put it on Facebook so people can read it and take from it what they will. But what I am saying is, I was talking this morning to every single one of you and every 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 one of you and I was also talking to everybody standing up here on this platform this morning wait, oh, wait a minute well, <laughs> so I've given you something for everybody today and I will tell you this my friends you say I sure wish you'd wound up on a shouting note so we could have got up and jumped up and down and sung victory in Jesus. Well, you can. You can. Because this isn't about emotion that I'm giving you. This is about reality and truth. And I believe I have given you today a singular path that will bring you to victory, to a level of victory in your life that's perhaps greater ever achieved before. If you'll take this Word of God and look at it carefully and do what God's Word says. Amen. Amen.